Oklahoma. We're also, at the same time, on a parallel path. We are coming to the culmination of this three or four year effort that we've had. While we've been building this thing, there has been a core group of people who have been meeting and thinking and praying and working uh, on this matter of discipleship. And the goal of that effort has been to, uh, to make sure that our church has and is a disciple-making culture. And clearly, we want that effort to inform what we're doing now with this five-year plan. A major part of that discipleship effort has been uh, the area of definition. We've talked the last couple of weeks about some of that. We've spent time studying what the Bible has to say about discipleship. And we've distilled what we've learned down into some guiding principles. We talked a couple of weeks ago about our vision. Our vision and our vision. And all this is in your bulletin this week, by the way. Our vision. Friendship Bible Church will be a church that introduces people to Jesus Christ. Both people from our community and from around the world. Making disciples that multiply beyond our walls. We talked about that two or three weeks ago. And then last week we talked about our mission. All of these are things that have come out of this effort that we've defined and, and, uh, and clarified. Actually, our mission we've pretty much had already. Uh, our mission is Jesus defined it is to go and make disciples and do it everywhere and do it until Jesus comes. And of course, it's based on Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Uh, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And what's going on with my mic? Is it is it okay back there? I, I felt like I was you know, speaking from a cloud or something. It's probably intuitively obvious to even the most casual observer that uh, discipleship and the word disciple is a key component of both that vision statement and that mission statement. And uh, that is by design. For the next five years, our plan has to be centered around that discipleship. And the word disciple. Should I just get another mic, brother? So I want to examine that word today. I want to define that word. I want to paint a portrait of a disciple. I want to ask the question, what is a disciple? We've asked the questions uh, in the last few weeks. What do we see? That's our vision. And then what must we be doing? That's our that's our uh, mission. But today I want to ask ourselves, what are we building? What's the picture? What's the portrait of a disciple? So what is one? What characteristics does a disciple display? Is it obvious? Can discipleship be described? Is it something that comes naturally to certain people? Or rather something that requires development? Is it innate to some of us? Or is it a learned behavior? What is a disciple? Could you paint a portrait of a disciple? What would it look like if you did? Well, let's start first with some definition. The Greek word translated disciple in our bodies, uh, Bibles is mathetes. Mathetes. It means follower, believer, close follower. It means pupil, student, one tutored. It implies a closer relationship than mere information. Vines, who's always a good source of information on the Greek language, Vines says that the word indicates, quote, thought accompanied by endeavor. I like that one. And that it denotes, quote, one who follows one's teaching. Our English word disciple similarly refers to a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. 
Now, there's all kinds of verses in the Bible. This is an important word in the Bible. The word disciple itself occurs 29 times in 27 verses in the Bible. If we make it, if we, uh, we expand that to include the plural, disciples, we find that it occurs 246 times in 235 verses. It's clearly an important word in Scripture. Now, the team that's worked for three years on trying to come up with these definitions took all these things into account. The definitions of the words, the biblical references, and they came up with a description, a portrait. It's also in your bulletin this morning of what a disciple is. And here it is. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, learning from and living like him, and leading others into the same relationship. That's the picture. That's the target. That's the goal. When we speak of making disciples, having a disciple-making culture, that's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to help people become a disciple. And a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, learning from and living like him and leading others into the same relationship. Now I want you to notice there's four very important components in that definition, in that picture. And let's just, uh, let's just look at all four of them. In order, first of all, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple is following. A disciple is one who is committed to following Jesus Christ. And, and that does not, that's not merely an intellectual exercise. The disciple follows in order to learn, but it's more than that. The disciple, the disciple follows. Brother, should I just give him a mic? Huh? Okay. This is very difficult to keep your trade of thought, let me tell you. I know they're trying very hard. I appreciate you guys. Really do. A disciple is one who is trying to learn in order to emulate. That's key. The disciple follows in order to become. The disciple follows in order to be transformed by Jesus Christ. The disciple of Jesus walks as he walked and does as he did. It all starts with following. We have to start there. Jesus said to that little band clustered around him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It all starts there. Follow me. And he says the same thing to you and me. We cannot be disciples until we take that first step in following. Matthew was a tax collector. A despised and loathed individual in his culture. And yet one day he heard Jesus say to him, follow me. And he could have ignored that. He could have just gone on with his sad life as it was, but he didn't. He stepped out. And he followed Jesus. He left everything behind. And he was transformed forever. To the twelve, all each of the twelve who would make up his little band of apostles, Jesus said in some one way or another the same thing, follow me. And each of them took that first step. And it transformed their lives. That's the goal of following. We follow in order to be transformed. I love the way, by the way, that Matthew's call was was portrayed in, in The Chosen. Many of you have watched that that series, The Chosen, and uh, I like I like a lot of it. And one one part that I did like was Matthew's call. Matthew was just standing there in his tax booth. Jesus happened to be walking by, and he turned and he looked at him, and he said, "Matthew, son of Alphaeus." And I don't know where they found these actors, but they were good. And Matthew's face just registered dismay. I mean, 
amazement, confusion, all kinds of things. But then he stepped out and followed Jesus. And Jesus had turned and was walking away, and Matthew just followed right after. That's what we're to do. Follow me. My son Joshua just turned 40 years old. I never cease praising God. For every minute of that man's life, because when he was just a little over 20, Beth and I thought we lost him. He had contracted cancer, and he very, very nearly died. I've mentioned before that there was a day that we came home and sat on our swing in the backyard, knew in our hearts that she was gone. The treatment of the cancer caused even more trouble than the cancer itself. The treatment of the cancer very nearly killed him. And it did leave him with some side effects and some Disabilities, some of which remain to this day. One of those side effects was complete neuropathy in his hands and in his feet. Now that has just cleared up a little bit. But uh, he could feel nothing in his hands. He described it one time as they're just clubs. I, I have no understanding of what they're doing. <laughs> Shortly after he got out of the hospital, he said, Dad, I want to hunt with you. He's serious. And he was still very weak. He, was not recovered at all yet, but he was out of the hospital and healthy enough to, to do that. And so, okay, we'll go on. Well, he had no feeling in his hands, so he couldn't even button his hunting coat. And so I helped him do that. And he had no feeling in his feet, so he could not, you know, well, he couldn't lace his shoes. That wasn't his feet, that was his hands. He couldn't lace his boots, so, uh, you know, I knelt down in front of him and laced his boots. But then, then he said to me, he said, you know, Dad, uh, I'm not going to be able to feel the ground. You know, those of you who are deer hunters know that you go out in the dark. It's dark. It's before summer. And where we were hunting was my brother's place, which is pretty rugged. It up and down hills, and if you took the wrong step, you could fall a long ways. He said, Dad, I'm not going to be able to tell where I'm stepping. He said, so you, he said, I'll, I'll just put my feet where you sit, and you just lead me to the spot. There was snow on the ground, of course, and so that's what we did. I walked, and he put his foot and ever since then, I thought, what a picture that is of, of what Jesus wants of us, of discipleship. Follow me, Jesus. And so I have to ask you, have you taken that first step? Have you heard him call you as he called Matthew, as he called others, as he called me? Have you looked up from what you were doing and stepped out when he called? Because nothing else happens until you do. Nothing else happens. When he calls, you must follow, or the whole process stops dead for you right there. You have to answer when he calls. When Jesus said, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you hear that call, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you, you must follow him, you must believe. When Jesus says that, uh, you know, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, should be saved. Well, you need to do that. You need to believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Lord Jesus, I know I, I know I need to say it. And he calls you to follow. Jesus calls us over the tumults of our lives wild, restless, see day by day his voice invites me, say, Christian, follow me. Have you heard that call? And have you followed? If not, you need to do it today. Because 
the first step. Second thing, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, learning from and living like him and leading others into the same relationship. So the second thing is learning from. And I want you to notice, this is not a one-time process. This, the, the following thing could be described as a one-time process. It starts that way because there has to be that first step. If that's not there, then you're not following. But then following continues, a step at a time, right? It, too, is an ongoing process. We keep walking, we keep following throughout this life. Our picture of a disciple specifically says that a disciple is a follower. Not was a follower, not followed, is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's an ongoing state. In the second aspect, learning from Him is exactly the same. We don't just learn one thing from our Lord and then quit learning. We are ever learning, never stopping learning, never ceasing to learn. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Last year, my lovely wife decided to try making maple syrup. Those of you who know her know that she can't do anything small. When she gets the idea, she plows into a full course. This this year, by the way, it's uh, it's chickens. And she has decided she wants to raise chickens. After much haranguing and going back and forth, I, I finally agreed to raising a few chickens. Please note the word a few. In my definition, that would be six. So she returned with 34. <laughs> and I find myself building a palatial chicken coop in the yard. Well, after it was maple syrup. And maple syrup was exactly the same way. When she decided she wanted to do the maple syrup, she decided she needed to tap a couple trees. I thought a couple trees. I thought, well, one or two, that'd be fine for us. We just need good night. We don't, we don't use three tablespoons of maple syrup all year. And so I thought that'd be fine. Well, I think it was 18. <laughs> and we couldn't keep up the gallons of sap that we got out of that was amazing. But, but I was intrigued by that process. When I drilled a hole into the tree and stuck that tent in there, I was amazed at how that sap came out. In some cases, it was just a steady drip. In other cases, it was, it was like turning on the tap. It was like a faucet as that came out. And I thought, what a picture that is. I mean, it was pouring out. I thought, that, that sap is the lifeblood of those trees. They, they, they derive what they need from their connection to the soil. And here, you and I as disciples draw all we need from our connection to Jesus Christ. We step out, we follow him, but it must not stop there. We must abide in him. We must draw our every need from him. It never ends. Notice again the tense in the picture. A disciple is learning from him. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time gathering information. It's an ongoing one. A lifelong learning. It never stops. It never stops. Few would argue that the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest Christians to have ever lived. I, I, I certainly would think that he was. It, it would be difficult to point to a more dedicated believer than 
And few would dedicate or would deny that he dedicated his life to learning. Uh, and that he was a great and brilliant and prolific teacher of that which he did learn. But the intriguing thing about Paul, at least one intriguing thing about him, is that he never stopped to learn, as brilliant as he was. You would think that after he had written Romans, that amazing explanation of the gospel, you'd think he, okay, we got that down. But he wasn't. He never stopped learning, right up until the end. He wrote much of the New Testament, you know. And the last book that he wrote was the, uh, the, the second book of the second letter to Timothy, his protege Timothy. And he knew that he was at the very end of his life there. We believe he was in prison at this point. And very shortly thereafter, he was martyred. And he wrote this book, this letter, at the end of his life. Knowing all that, he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Another place in there, he said, I am about to be offered. He knew that his life was over. And if there were ever a time in his life when it would have made sense for him to just stop learning and say, okay, leave the books over there, I don't need those anymore. I'm going to be in Jesus' presence here pretty soon, I can stop. It would have been then. The executioner's axe was hanging over his head. And it would have been a time. You would have, you would have at least understood it. But six verses later, after that verse that I just read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said this to Timothy. He said, bring the cloak that I left with carpets of Troas when you come, and the books. Especially the parchments. Paul was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, he never stopped learning about Jesus Christ. What an example. But we must be the same. We need to be the same. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, learning from him, living like him, and leading others into the same relationship. He's a follower, he's learning from, and then the third one is he is living like, living like Jesus Christ. The disciple follows Jesus, the disciple learns from Jesus, the disciple lives like Jesus. It's vital we understand why we follow and why we learn. We do so so that we might be transformed, made like him. Learning leads to obedience, obedience leads to transformation. The disciples never satisfied with the simple absorption of facts. That's not, that's not what we're about. The disciple is never satisfied with just filling his or her mind with information. The disciple wants to be transformed. The disciple wants to be changed, to become like the master. In 1906, Charles Gabriel wrote a hymn that we still sing today. Let me just quote a little of it. More like the master I would ever be. More of his meekness, more humility. More zeal to labor, more courage to be true. More consecration for work he bids me do. More, like the Master, is my daily prayer. More strength to carry crosses I must bear. More earnest effort to bring his kingdom in. More of his spirit, the wanderer, to win. More, like the Master, I would live and grow. More of his love to others I would show. More self-denial like his in Galilee. More like the Master. More like the Master I long to ever be. That's the prayer of the disciple. Never satisfied to just learn. Always desiring to learn so that we might live like us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And 
When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Are you following, Christian? Are you learning? Are you daily in your Bible? Do you, do you read it as it is God's love letter to you? With a word for you each and every day? Are you learning? And if so, are you learning so that you might live your life more and more as He would have you to? Are you learning so that you might more rightly obey your Lord every day? A disciple is a follower. Jesus Christ, learning from him, living like him, and leading others into the same relationship. Leading others is that fourth thing. The disciple multiplies. That's a key thing we learned as we studied the various verses on discipleship. The disciple multiplies, making disciples who make disciples, influencing, teaching, training, and equipping others. The more we follow in his footsteps, the more we learn from him, the more we live like him, the more attractive we make our faith to those who are watching us. Simply by virtue of the transformation people see in us, we attract others to Jesus. There's no way that's more powerful than a transformed life. But beyond that, as we are transformed, we'll find the Lord bringing opportunities before us to share Christ. Our natural timidity lessens as we follow and learn and live for Jesus. I've seen that happen in our little groups that we've got going right now amongst our 14. People who before were, were perhaps quiet are suddenly not. Didn't happen overnight. But as they have been transformed and going closer and closer and learn from them, they're living like Jesus more and more. That natural timidity that we all have, we're all afraid to speak out, it diminishes. Where once we were unable to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ to our loved ones, we find that it's something that just does start to happen more and more and more. Increasingly able to speak up for the one we follow and learn from and live like. By following and learning from and living like, we can become disciples that lead others into that same relationship. So, what is our goal? What are we trying to do here? What are we aiming at? What are we trying to build over the next five years here at Friendship Bible Church? Well, it's discipleship. It's disciples. And what does it look like? If we could draw a picture of a disciple, what would it look like? Well, there it is. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, learning from him, living like him, and leading others into the same relationship. All four of those components are part of disciples. I'm not sure which one of them you could leave out. I don't think you can leave any of them out. And let me, let me reiterate again that that statement is specific in indicating this is an ongoing process in the life of a disciple. A disciple is a follower. They are learning. They are living. And they are leading. None of that is a one-time thing. It's a lifelong thing. A disciple never stops being a disciple. You might notice in your bulletin that we have an expanded definition there. Uh, we put it all in there for you. Uh, believe it or not, I know this was shocking some of you, but we actually came up with an acronym to tell you what it is. 
I know that's, that's something we never do, but in this case, we thought it was appropriate. And someone came up with the acronym FRIENDS, F-R-I-E-N-D-S. And I just, most, of, most of the topics covered with that acronym I've touched on in this, in this definition. But you can look at that, and you can study that out on your own. It's something that I hope is helpful. Because uh, this verse says you can look up, we'll let you do that on your own. But uh, I'll just read, read through it very quickly. Uh, the F is the disciple follows Jesus, and we obviously have been talking about that. Committed to following Christ in order to be transformed by him, walking as he walked, caring for others as he cared. The R is a disciple reproduces. We just mentioned that a disciple multiplies. Making disciples who make disciples, influencing, teaching, training, and equipping others. The I is a disciple invests in people. We didn't really talk about this one. This is a good one to think about. Disciple faithfully practices the one another's of Scripture with others. Investing time in serving others on the pathway of discipleship. The E of a disciple evangelizes, introduces others to Jesus by word and example. A disciple is burdened to see souls saved locally and around the world. The N of a disciple needs Jesus, increasingly learning they can do nothing apart from Christ, seeking Him in God's Word, communicating with Him through prayer. The D is a disciple is devoted to living like Jesus. A disciple dies daily to self, strives daily to obey His commands. And finally, the S of a disciple is sure. A disciple knows that Jesus is the only way to God and eternal life and wants others to have that same confidence. Hopefully that's helpful. But now in the two or three minutes that I have left, let's get personal. Let's examine our hearts for this minute. Let me ask you, where are you in this? Are you a follower? I want you to notice that I didn't ask you whether you said a prayer once in the past. And I didn't ask you whether you remember walking an aisle and asking Jesus to save you. I asked if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you took that first step once in a minute, you should still be actively following him. I believe that's very clear to Bible. Nor do they walk away from it. You might stumble. You might fall for a while, we all do. I have. You might have trials that knock you out of place for a while. You might get discouraged or backslidden and downtrodden by life, but the believer can't, can't ever totally stop believing. If you once follow but have to admit that you're not following now, I, I suggest there's only two possibilities. One is you were never saved in the first place. You need to get it right this time. Jesus is calling you right now to follow him. You need to do it. Step out. Follow him and be transformed forever. As Matthew was. As the disciples were. As I was one day as a 12-year-old boy. I stepped out and knelt right here at the front of this church. The other, that's one possibility. You were never saved in the first place. You need to be saved. But the other is your backslid. You need to get back on track. There's no magic to that. You just turn around. Get back on track. It matters not how far you stray. This is the amazing thing to me about uh, about my, my Lord. One of the amazing things about Him. It doesn't matter how many steps you take to get away from Him. It only takes one to get back. All the way back. One step. Back on track. If we confess our sins, He's faithful just to forgive us our sins. And He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So 
Spurgeon said, conversion is a turning onto the right road. The next thing to do is to walk on it. C.S. Lewis said, if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. I ask you, would you say what your hearts today are? You follow. Not did you once follow. Are you following? And then the second question, obviously, is are you learning? Disciples never satisfied with what they've learned. They're desirous to learn more. Are you learning or are you one of those who's dissatisfied? I read the Bible once. I've been told that before. Yeah, I read the Bible. Is that you? Are you reading your Bible often? Or are you good at one time in the past? You see, all of us need to commit to being like Paul. Right up until the day he died. Learning. We need to be that way. Until we see it. Are you learning? Are you living like him? The disciple is never okay with disobedience. Never. Our culture. Our culture has so influenced many of us believers that we can hardly tell the difference between right and wrong. I am amazed at some of the questions Christians ask me. I am amazed at some of the things Christians struggle with today related to issues. Things that are clearly spelled out in Scripture. And yet, they're, when they're presented with the, you know, the ideology of the world, in spite of the clarity of Scripture, many believers are perfectly content to side with what the world says. Are you living like Him? Are you learning from Him so that you might live like Him? Is His truth what guides not only your mind, but your actions and your choices in your lifestyles? Are you living like Him? All of us need to commit to that. And finally, Last question. Are you leading others into that same relationship? Is the life you lead one that makes others notice that you are different? Is some kind of transformation took place? Do your friends and family see that? Not the same as you once were. You might be early on in that transformation, but there ought to be something there. You know, I think that's one of the reasons God gives us baptism. So at the very beginning of our relationship, we can publicly say, I have been changed. I have been newborn. I'm transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, can others see it in you? Do they notice it? See, all of these things are part of being a disciple. And we need to examine whether they're true of us. All oh, that we would commit to being disciples who multiply, disciples who reproduce, disciples whose transformed lives impact our lives. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you about any of this stuff, i got some what I think is good news. We're putting together in this church a, a the finishing touches on, on, on a pathway to discipleship. We'll be rolling that out here very, very shortly. And uh, it's going to be a step-by-step guide to wherever you are in your walk with Christ. If you want to go deeper into the security of discipleship, it will have uh, information to help you with that. And I hope you take it so this is our vision. Friendship Bible Church will be a church that introduces people to Jesus Christ, both people from our community and from around the world making disciples that multiply beyond our walls. That's our vision. I hope that's your vision. It's mine. I hope it's yours. And our mission, as Jesus defined it, is to go and make disciples and do it everywhere and do it until Jesus comes. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that is, once we get past this next week of uh, this building, that is what we're going to be concentrating on. And what is that disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. Learning from and living like him and leading others into the same relationship.
for whatever time God allows us to continue to serve together in this place, worship together in this place. May we be a disciple-making factory. May we have the same vision, the same mission, the same understanding of what we're trying to build here. May I be a disciple. May you be a disciple. And may we lead others to be disciples.